I got you. Oh, hamstring. Oh, sniper, take the other picture. Yeah, I mean, that's how, that's how you can formulate opinions without having true facts. I'm telling you, think about it logically for just a second. Dear Reds fans. Welcome back to the Zebra Zillionaires. It was a tough one yesterday. Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, 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 good morning, good morning, a pleasant good Wednesday morning to each and every one of you. For those that were here earlier today, we had some Wi-Fi problems, so what we decided to do is go ahead and tape the show. That was the idea of the Brain Trust over here, Elliot Rearing. I mean, as the ship was sinking, he wasn't looking to blame anybody for it sinking. He was not looking for the problem. He was looking for the solution. That's right. Well done, Elliot. Thank you. And, and you know, when it comes down to it, I, I think it's all the Pawnee water I've been drinking because it really, <laughs> it really makes me a whole lot smarter. Uh, I, I came in this morning. I was ready to go. I had a lot of good bits uh, planned, but that's okay. We're going to save them. We're going to move it on. And, 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 you know, when the Titanic was going down, you right? spell Titanic. You can't spell Titanic. Listen, uh, the mariachi band continued to play. That's what they did. It was, it was the mariachi, mariachi band. band. It was the mariachi band. They continued to play they had a on. mariachi band on the Titanic? I think yeah. there was. Yeah. Wasn't that they it? They did? It was the mariachi band. I don't know about mariachi. Well, and they continued to play as, as, as the thing sank all the way to the bottom of the ocean and Jack on the, on the, on the floating wood froze to death. They, they, they never stopped playing. And that's kind of my brain right now. When the Wi-Fi is off, my brain works double time. So what we're going to do is, Elliot's <laughs> idea, we're going to tape an hour show. Uh, we ask you, obviously, if you're watching right now, you've already downloaded. So uh, we thank you, and thank you for your patience. We'll come back your way tomorrow live as we come your way Monday through Friday. 10 A to 12 P. <laughs> Not so much today. You can join us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. Not so much today. We broadcast live on X. Not so much today. But you can download us, and you have. Just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman, and you're dialed in. Tell your friends about it. Tell your family about it. Tell everybody about it. Tell your enemies about the show. Check us out. You know, earlier this season, I mean, as recently as, what, three weeks ago, we were wondering if UC basketball is truly ready for prime time. They look soft in losses to Xavier and Dayton. And, of course, we knew the rugged Big 12 season was right around the corner. UC has had to play with six different starting lineups this year. Think about this for a minute. They have only had three guys on their team that have played in every game. And, of course, they had to wait on two players to get eligible, waiting on and through the bureaucracy known as the NCAA. Then Saturday night happened. A win at number 12 BYU, an emphatic win at that. Last night, the 25th-ranked Texas Longhorns come to town. First-ever Big 12 home game for UC. A Texas team, bear in mind, that were it not for an injury last year to Dylan DeSue, they would have probably reached the Final Four. Remember, they blew out Xavier last year mm -hmm. in the NCAA tournament. For 40 minutes last night at Fifth Third Arena, it felt like the old days. I was there for the old days. So I remember the old days, the Bob Huggins days. Great crowd, physical, competitive, 
high level, the highest level of college basketball in the Big 12. Now, UC ends up losing at the end of the night, 74-73. They inexplicably, and, and I really mean inexplicably, could not guard DeSue, who finished with a career-high 33 points. It didn't matter who they put on him. He was the only guy that wanted to shoot the ball until the final 10 seconds of the game on the whole team. And they do this screen, and he'd step back from a three. Two guys would go to the other guy who has three shots in the game. Yep. And they leave the Sioux standing, bang. But UC is, I'm telling you, they're this close. I don't have a crystal ball about the rest of this year, but they are this close. They still turn it over too much. They'd have won the game had they just made 70% of their free throws. They'd have won the game easily, but they lost. But what this season has a chance to be, they have players now who can play in this league, the very best league in the country. Next up, doesn't get any easier. Number 14, Baylor in Waco on Saturday night. The Bears, by the way, beat BYU last night, 81-72. to Speaking of the Big 12, kind of like facing the Steelers. Tough sledding. Iowa State. Beat number two Houston last night, 57 to 53. That was in Ames, Iowa. Number one Purdue got hammered at Nebraska, 88 to 72. Zach Eady, only 13 points and seven rebounds. I've watched Nebraska twice this year. Do not sleep on that team. That is a bona fide Big Ten winning team. They've got a good team. Number six Kentucky, they've got a good team. Cow! One day. I'm going to just keep sending out the bat signal. <laughs> One day. I am going to be their sports information director's worst nightmare. <laughs> I've gone easy on the gas pedal so far. Been, you know, patient, step back. Oh, yeah. Right? Little, little touch, step back. No more. Kentucky wins 90-77. to 77. Five players score in double figures. They shoot over 50% in the game. They've won six straight. And good for Travis Steele. And Miami of Ohio beating Buffalo 88-65. Meanwhile, tonight, the defending National College basketball champions come to town. And you're going to be there, Reed Mouse. I am going to be there. I was there last year when uh, Xavier beat UConn at home. They swept UConn at home last year. We own UConn. We're going to do it again tonight. We're going to win. I was debating going to this oh. game. And what's going to happen now, because of this whole thing, all this whole debacle that we've endured this morning, and because he last night, Tom, was texting me nonstop about how UC lost. He's going on this big victory tour. I was the moral Not victory. Not a victory tour. I just couldn't believe they lost. I, I, might I go, couldn't believe they lost. I, might go, I might go to the Cintas Center tonight and all UC garb, and we'll just cheer on UConn the whole night. Tom, what that's time? What it might, that's what I might do. Tom, what time are we getting to Dana's tonight, you and I? You're talking about Dana Gardens? Yes, yes. <laughs> a little pregame beer. Walk over See, to the, the irony is Dana Gardens is exactly my kind of joint. I know it is. There's some people out there for some reason who think, place. you know, you had a big time job or this or that, whatever it was, that, you know, you don't go to. That is my kind of place. Those are the kinds of joints I go to. That's right. But I'm not going to that one. That's right. Why? There are a lot of those in this town. You don't know which Xavier player is going to drop his pants that hour. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. What? 
You don't know the story? You don't know that story? No. J.P. Makura. J.P. Makura There's got, a surprise. JP, Go ahead. J.P. Makura got arrested for dropping his pants at the bar. Dropping his pants. What drawers. do you mean dropping his pants at the bar? He stood up on the bar. And stood he, on the bar and dropped his trousers. He dropped his trousers. Down to his naked or down to his skivvies? I believe it was his naked. It was Tom. <laughs> Tom. You did, you've never heard that I've story. never heard that story before. Tom, I'm a very confident person. The confidence that it has <laughs> that you have to have to stand on a bar and drop drop trunks. That's a lot of confidence from JP McHugh. It is. You gotta give it up to him for that. <laughs> he's right. be, and he's beloved in that town. He's beloved in that little Norwood area. So good for him. JP McCura, put him in the same as Adam Kunkel. I don't like it. I didn't like JP McCura. <laughs> That's right. I don't like him either. McCronin hated him. You know, I wasn't a, a big J.P. McCura fan. And again, that's normally my kind of, but for some reason there was something about him that rubbed me the wrong way. I was a Trayvon Blewett guy. Trayvon Blewett was a, was a gamer. That, okay. was, that was a good ball player. But McCura was a gamer. You can't take that away from him. He was a gamer now. Sure. He played his tail off and he gave you everything he had. That's but sure. there was something about him that just... He played a lot more He had a lot more kind of Christian Leitner in him. He was very hateable. He was that's very, what I mean. very yeah, hateable. I think that's a good analogy. You're right. Yeah, all right I just thought fair. of that. That's fair. All right. I'll see you tonight at like seven. Unlikely. Uh, in fact, no chance. <laughs> and you win none. Uh, UConn's ranked fourth. They've won three straight. Now for Xavier, they're seven and seven. I mean, your record says what you are. And right now, plenty of time to get it turned around, but tonight would help. They're one and two in the Big East. Tip-off is set for 8.30 on FS1. Other games tonight, good one in the Big Ten. Number 15, Wisconsin against a solid Ohio State team in Columbus. And Northern Kentucky travels to Oakland. We've talked about Oakland a lot this year. Do you think they'll get revenge for Xavier? Do you think they have enough spirit for the city? I know they're Northern Kentucky, but do you right. think they have the You're talking about Oakland. Yeah, they're going to have to beat Oakland for Xavier. If they beat Oakland, they're doing it for the X-Men over there in Norway. Is that why Northern Kentucky beat UC last year for Xavier? Probably. Now that I think about it, it makes a lot yeah. of sense. Because Xavier has a hard time beating UC on their own. I, I, not no, go, that's an understatement. <laughs> that's true. Not to go on another tangent, they also had internet issues. I don't know if you that's remember right. this. So I was working the game um, at 700 WLW. And I was Dan Ward and Mo Egger and Terry Nelson were all there. They were they, Usually how we do, they set up like a Comrex. Uh, I get it through the system, and it sounds beautiful. Right. What happened was both broadcasts, uh, Jim Kelch and uh, Rick Roaring and the Mo Egger, Terry Nelson, Dan Horde broadcast, all of them, the whole Wi-Fi in that arena went down for the game. The internet and the campus went down. So what happened was they had to call into the station, and they were passing the phone off to one another during the game. It was one of the most stress-inducing yeah. uh, games I've ever produced, but very funny. Uh God bless NKU. I hope they win tonight. You ever had to do anything like that, Tom? Where you're yeah, we, we've had. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, many times. That stuff happens. The it's Reds kind of like our internet today. It happens. <laughs> right. it just on Comrex, it doesn't happen as much as Spectrum. That's right. And apparently, there are issues with Spectrum here in Hamilton specifically. Some have said the lawnmower man hit a line somewhere. He's cutting cords. cords. <laughs> cutting cords. He's listening. He might say it's 10 degrees outside. The wind's blowing 40 mile per hour. It doesn't stop him. You ever hear of a, <laughs> you ever hear of a winter jacket? He's, he's, he's heard of them. He goes outside. He mows these lawns. If he runs a cord, damn with you. Damn with these cords. And he'll go around the streets and, and, and cut everything. Everything in sight. Did you say lawns? Lawns. 
Cement. Did I mean? Did I say lawns? You I meant said cement. Lawn. Right. I meant the cement. sidewalk. My bad. Yeah. Right. Right. Or the the, uh, the just the. He's very good, especially I've noticed on the like the the, the biker lanes <laughs> yeah. right next to the yeah. regular lanes. Yes. Okay. That's They're where he shines. Perfectly manicured. Uh, in the NFL, congratulations to Teddy Karras, Bengals offensive lineman, as you know. Bengal Nation voted Karras as the winner of the nationwide charity challenge. Now, Karras, already named as the team's Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee, he could win that nationally when they get to those awards around the Super Bowl. But uh, he won $35,000 for this, thanks to the fans. And he is donating that money to the Village of Mercy, which is a nonprofit organization for adults living with disabilities. And that's in his hometown of Indianapolis. Congratulations. The Tennessee Titans. Huh. We talked yesterday about you better have somebody in mind who's going to be better than what you got. That's right. And I don't know who that might be for them. But it's hard to believe they get better than Mike Vrabel. He is gone after back-to-back losing seasons as Titans head coach. From 2018, 19, 20, and 21, the former Buckeye star led the Titans to four straight winning seasons, two division titles, an AFC championship game. He was named the NFL coach of the year two years ago. And now he stinks? He will not be unemployed for very long. We'll talk about that in a minute. How about NFL viewership? Did you see this note today? Games average. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about average. Those Saturday games they play, the games at 9 o'clock in the morning when they play overseas in Germany and London, wherever else, the 1 o'clock games, the 4 o'clock games, the 4.30 games, the Sunday night games, Monday night games, and streaming on Thursday nights. So all of those tied into one. Average nearly 18 million viewers. Averaged. That's tied for the second highest since such tracking began in 1995. College football's national championship game saw the second highest rating during the college football playoff era. Michigan and Washington at 26 million viewers. If you're wondering, the highest rated ever college football championship game was the very first college football playoff championship game in 2015, a whopping 33 million. This year was 26. 33 million in 2015 watched Ohio State beat Oregon. All right. Uh, Marty Brenneman is going to join us on Friday. We were supposed to have him today. Uh, but that's going to be Friday. And then tomorrow, rather than today, I'm going to rank 1 through 14. The teams in the NFL, which I believe have the best chance of winning the Super Bowl. Now think about this for a minute. We're going to get into this tomorrow. And I'm going to allow you guys and encourage you. And I know you, mm-hmm. I didn't even have to ask you or encourage you. You were going to do it anyway. Is pick it apart. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's why we're here. Right? Healthy debate. That's right. Right? That's right. Um, you know, when you sit down and you start thinking about this kind of thing, and thank you for the reminder last night. I was wrapped up in the UC game, Reed. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, you know, you have to start thinking about, okay, A, who's healthy? Well, no, A, who's good, right? Okay, who's good? But the chances of making the Super Bowl are not only if you're good, but where you're playing, Right. How many home games might you get versus road games, right? Right. So you look at a team like Cleveland. 
I think Cleveland's one of the top five, six teams in the NFL. But Cleveland would have to go win three straight uh, outside of colliding with ultimately the six or the seven seed. Right, right. Right. Okay. And that would take a series of miracles, but it's happened before. But Cleveland would have to do what the Bengals did three years ago. They'd have to win every game on the road. Kansas City. I mean, you got to love Kansas City. They are who they are, right? Two of the last three Super Bowls, right? They played in three of the last, what, five? But this will be the first year Patrick Mahomes, outside of the first game this weekend, conceivably has to go on the road. They have to go play fill-in-the-blank, Buffalo, Baltimore, somebody like that. So when you're sitting down to do that kind of thing, it's just like over in the NFC. You know, Lions got a home game against the Rams. I mean, you can flip a coin in that game, right? Either way. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, not I so agree. sure, right? The but the Rams, are, are the Rams good enough to win three straight games? Then you look at the NFC. And I'm going to flip-flop my number one for tomorrow the more I thought about it driving in this morning. Because you have to consider the, the, the quote-unquote easier path, okay? And all those things I just talked about. But then the combination of the conference in and of itself. And where the true power lies. I mean, the way Philadelphia is playing compared to the way San Francisco is playing. And then considering that Dallas, playing very well, would have to go play at San Francisco. I think ultimately, San Francisco's chances of getting to the Super Bowl, it's not a guarantee, would be better than, say, the Ravens. Because of, the, uh, because of the competition they're more than likely to play. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's a fair, that's a fair point. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, the AFC, we already knew, was very stacked. I mean, Bengals Even with the, all the quarterback injuries. Yeah, even stuff. with all the quarterback injuries, the Bengals were the first team out, and they were sitting at 9-8. and eight. There was a plenty of 9-8 and eight teams this year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Ravens, like I said uh, before, they, they're going to have to play probably – like the Browns at some point, um, the Bills, they're explosive. Yeah, there's there's a the lot Chiefs. of good. T- yeah, the yeah. Chiefs, you can never count out the Chiefs. Yep. So yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Tom. Yeah, it just comes down to to belabor your point. It just comes down to who who do you trust more in the in the postseason? Do you trust teams like the Dallas Cowboys who haven't shown a whole lot? Do you trust a team like the Philadelphia Eagles who have lost what five of their last six games? Yep, or and looks trust- bad. And yeah, they don't do anything well. I mean, well. they look bad. They, they don't, I, I saw someone say they do one thing well, and it's about to get outlawed in the league. And that's, it's the only thing that they do well. But then there's teams like the, the Bills, preseason, Super Bowl, one of the Super Bowl favorites, and they're coming on late. Kansas City Chiefs, how can you ever count on Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? And then the Browns, who wants to play the Browns? They're so physical. Joe Flacco's playing with, with almost nothing to lose. So yeah, they have well, and the one team you didn't mention that I'm not sure I'm not sure how many people want to play the Texans. I agree. I certainly wouldn't. I mean, you know, you they they did a little bit of this at the end, but in fairness, C.J. Stroud missed two games uh, out with a concussion. But man, I mean, they can run it, they can throw it, uh, they they're good up front. That's a they're saying that Cleveland-Houston game, we're going to talk a lot more about these games Thursday and Friday. Uh, in fact, tomorrow, we're going to have our good buddy Vach Lombardi. There we go. Got to love our man, Vach. Love Vach. Love. If you haven't seen Vach Lombardi, 
He is a guy, I, I'm telling you, if, if you have a buddy who's never watched a show or something, have a, ha, tune in tomorrow. At 10.30, we're going to have Vach on Thursday. And this dude is on his game. I mean, him at Big Low Country down in Atlanta. You get those guys, if you were to put them in a room and start talking football, I could sit there for hours and listen to both of them. Big Low That's Country's it. had it going on now down there in Atlanta. On I, love, X. I love both Did you check guys. them out? I've not checked it out yet. I've not checked out his recent video that you were talking They're about. They're really good. Because I, I think he's probably he, freaking out about the situation in Atlanta. He's not. He's not. He's, he's no. celebrating probably. No. I mean, he's just like, you know, if it's a situation, it is what it is. And they've gotten rid of the coach three straight seven and ten seasons for um, Arthur Smith. Arthur, thank Arthur you. Smith. Thank you. Drew a blank. Old senior moment. Um yeah, and so, you know, and the quarterback thing, I think he feels like, you know, could Ritter get better? Yeah, but is he the long-term answer? Eh, he's not. But Big Low Country, check him out. That's, I think, his, uh, his uh, what do you call that, a handle? Yep, his handle. His handle. Mm -hmm. At Big Low Country, that country is with a K. That's how they spell it in Georgia. Country with a K. That's right, baby. That's yeah. right, baby. Yeah. I was, I, was gonna, I, was, I was talking about – I think you were about to go into a little tangent about that Texans-Browns game. That will be the – that will be – I will promise you this. That will be the best game in the first round. You think so? That will be yeah. the best. That will be the best. Really? Lions-Rams? That's going to be the second best. That's my second best game. First best game. Again, I think it's going to be a shootout. The, the Texans secondary isn't great. Uh, you, saw what, you saw what happened when they played the Bengals, obviously. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow tore them apart in the last quarter of that game. Just – ripped them apart Tyler Boyd did so I, I do think it will be a shootout Joe Flacco has thrown for 300 plus yards in every game he's played the issue for Joe and this is my guy he is due for an interception at least one a game yeah so I think the turnovers will be a factor if Joe Flacco turns it over two three times obviously you have to favor the Texans turnover battle and what have you and CJ Stroud Tom read the stats yesterday he has five interceptions all year long yeah that's incredible that's incredible that's incredible. So we'll see. I think that game's going to be a good old-fashioned good one, 35-31 final. And I still will ride with my Cleveland Browns. You, you think I, that but, game's going to be better than the Dolphins-Chiefs too? Oh, I think I think the Dolphins-Chiefs is going to be a blowout. We're going to talk about it later. Okay. But that Dolphins-Chiefs that Dolphins -Chiefs game is going to be a blowout. I'm going to put my – the largest wager I have ever placed in my life, I will be putting it on the Chiefs. I know, the I, Dolphins, in their last nine games in cold weather, Tom, 0-9. There's no surprise. Sub free, I've sub said freezing. for years when they show up in the cold weather I'm and you know you. it's going to be dark and gloomy and, ugh, and degrees, Kansas Tom. City. Yeah, and, and it may be snow and, and they show up in those white unis with the teal and the orange <laughs> trim. You got no chance. And that backs up what I'm saying. 0-9 in cold weather. What constitute cold weather? Below 0 and 9 freezing? In, their in, their, in their last nine cold weather games, sub 32, I believe, is okay. what the metric was. That would make sense. They are 0-9. They have not won a game in cold weather. I'm going to look up Kansas, City, Kansas City's uh, weather. It's the game Sunday, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be like negative. No, no, no. That's Saturday night. It's Saturday, Saturday night. night. The night game. Okay, well, it's a little warmer on Saturday at night than it would be on Sunday. What Sunday, the weather is supposed to be the high is zero, the low is negative Well, that's seven. the weather that's and, coming to us. And it, yeah. feels, it feels like negative 12, apparently. S Saturday, the low is zero, the high is nine. Okay, but zero... Okay, that is the low for the night. High of nine, you said? Okay, Correct. now remember, this is an 8, 830 kickoff. Oh, it's going to be zero. It's going to be brutal. And it's going to be negative probably yeah, yeah. 10 with the wind yeah, chill. no doubt. I went to the, to the AFC Championship game last year, and it wasn't this no. cold. Like, it no. was probably around, like, what, 10? 
And it was cold. It, well, the, you, our beer was freezing. Well, like, that's what, it, that, it was, that was the story I was going to tell. We would get a beer from the concession stand, and by the time you got back to your seat, yeah. the beer would be frozen. Yeah. You'd have to like that's warm incredible. it up with your hand to keep it liquid. That's, that's chilly. I, and by, we haven't talked about this yet, and I wanted your, your, your opinion on it. That game will be uh, broadcasted exclusively on Peacock. Yeah. On NBC's Peacock. I think that, and again, I, I, maybe it's because I'm a little bit used to it now with the, with the Amazon Prime. Uh, they've they've kind of warped my brand where every Thursday I, I, I go on my Roku or whatever the hell I have, Amazon Fire Stick. I go on my TV, turn it on. It's an easy thing. I, I'm used to it. But a playoff game, yeah. a primetime playoff game yeah. on a streaming service, what's the point? I, the point is to grow, and maybe the NFL. You just read the numbers there. They don't have to grow. They grow. They grow naturally, no matter what they do. They can put all these games on streaming services, and people will find the time to watch it. But a prime time playoff game should not be on a streaming service. I don't know who greenlit that. Yeah, and it, the mitigation? It's just seriously though. It's just a joke. I, could you imagine Game Four of the World Series? We're gonna put it on Peacock. Just it, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, maybe this is a good segue into the UC game, but. How how does a Big Twelve, the biggest, yeah, this is terrible. the biggest basketball conf, college basketball conference in the nation, the best, the very best, a huge program like Texas, a very proud basketball program in UC, and the games behind a paywall, it's not on cable. You gotta have ESPN Plus. I tell you, one of the highlights of my year yesterday, I have YouTube TV, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, this is the stuff that you guys will right? find out one day. This is the stuff that when you have kids, these are the kinds of things that happen. Okay? Yep. So I'm figuring I can't watch a UC game last night. I'm just going to follow it because I, I, I didn't think I had ESPN+. Plus. So any of you guys have YouTube TV? I do. I do. Okay, so you know you hit the button and all the different apps show up, right? Yeah, all the different yeah, things, yeah. Netflix, whatever it is. Well, we have one on ours that says ESPN. I've never seen it before. Bang, I hit it. All the games on ESPN Plus. How about that? Okay, so this is at like 10 till 7. So I go over, scroll over to the logo where it's UC Texas. Push the button. It says starting at 7 o'clock. So I just leave it up figuring it's just going to come on, mm -hmm. right? Well, at 7.02, it's not on. And I'm going, oh, okay. Well, this is what I figured. We didn't have it. No big deal. You know, whatever. Well, I went, just clicked down a couple things, clicked back up, pushed it one more time just for you know what and giggles, right? Mm -hmm. Bang! There it is. UC Texas. <laughs> we have ESPN+. Plus. How about that? So about while that? Luke was home, apparently we're paying... I was going to say, ESPN who's, who's Plus. For that? I haven't even gotten a bill yet. <laughs> I, I think that's that's a great find, by the way. I we found out we similarly we found out we had like Apple or the uh, is that the app? Um, Apple gives their free streaming service. What is it? Apple TV. Apple TV. We had Apple TV. Boy, I found that it was the same complicated. Way. Go ahead. Uh, but I, anyway, anyway, well, I just trying to think of it. Anyway, um, but I, I, I came home last night and I'm like, all right, there's a primetime BYU Baylor. Where, where is this game? Yeah. ESPN Plus. Right. Where is uh, Purdue? They're about to lose to Nebraska, the number one team in the nation. Where can I find that one? Peacock. It's just I, the streaming services are cute, but I eventually just go back to regular TV. As well, but I'm with you, and I don't. I mean, I and we can tie a ribbon and talk more about it. But I'm with you all the way. I mean, look, it all comes down to we all know what it comes down to with this playoff game. End of the end of discussion. 
NBC walks in the door. They've got this thing that they're trying to make work in Peacock, right? Yeah, like every other major network does. They're spending billions of dollars with the NFL for Sunday night football. And they're saying, hey, just like ESPN this year, when they came in and redid their deal, they said, okay, Monday night football, but we want not one playoff game. We want two. And we want to be in the rotation of getting the Super Bowl now moving forward. And they are, right? That's why yep. they went out and hired Buck and Aikman, right? It's because yep. they're going to get a Super Bowl. And that's who they want on the game, understandably so. But it's all money. And I, I just think sometimes, you know, if you're Major League Baseball, or you're, you know, some of these leagues that are kind of, you know, I guess you could argue it both ways. Maybe you put everything on free TV if you're baseball with the numbers that they – I know they were up a little bit about this year, but I mean, the NBA maybe is a better one, or NHL, because the NBA's numbers are totally tanking. Um, I just don't know why you got you to gotta gouge your fans on this one. This is a playoff game. I, I mean, agree. come on. I was, I was shocked years ago. I was right in the middle of all of it. When Fox had the rights to both league championship series in baseball. I did one. Joe Buck did one, right? For a decade, whatever it was. And then all of a sudden, uh, Turner walks in and gets the rights to one of the league championship series. Yeah, I mean, I was bummed for me. I mean, I get to do the playoffs anymore. But, but more importantly, I just thought to myself, as far as the health of the sport is concerned, that why in the world, when you start putting stuff on cable, and back in those days, it was a pretty significant move. Uh, not now. But... You know, why, why would you do that? Why would you put it behind, really, a paywall right. the way it was set up then uh, and put it on Turner? I, I, I guess, ultimately, it's worked out, I guess. I don't know. I think those, those games would get higher ratings if they were on network television. Yep. I think that's fair, yeah. right? I agree. But this is a shame because you've got, in this game, you've got the Dolphins who have so many exciting players, whether they're any good as a team or not. No, you know, all the teams are playoff teams are good teams. But, I mean, they got Tyreek Hill. They got Tua. They got, they, they got some guys you like to watch. And then you have the model franchise in terms of success in the entire National Football League over the last handful of years. And you, you got to pay for it. It's you too know, bad, I think. I, I agree. And it's arguably one of the, it's one of the more intriguing storylines. Again, they've played this season, but Tyree Kill going into Kansas City, revenge game, right. you could say. I, and I, I think people would want to see that. I think people, despite what Tom thinks, I do think there's a lot of the, I would say, casual fans that look at those Dolphin Teals and go, I like this team. I like what I'm seeing here. I like the color scheme. I think they're fun. I love the color scheme. I think you hate oh, the color scheme. You hate the color I scheme. I love you the color hate scheme. It. Come on, Tom. I don't like whites. You like the, you like the baby. Warm weather team. Okay. The same color scheme as what Boise State has. I love their unis, yep. orange and blue and the whole thing going on, right? I love that combination. Denver, I love the combination. What about the teal? What about the teal? Love the teal. Oh, so man. nice. <laughs> Come so on, nice. But anyway, I, I, think, I think it's a shame. I think it's, I think it's a shame that they did this. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize. Are you going to get Peacock, though? Are you going to subscribe? Of and watch course I am. And that's the worst part of it all is that they know everybody's going to do they it anyway. Just, they know, you know no. you're trapped. If you, if you want to feel better about your purchase, yep. Not only are you going to get this this uh, this playoff game this Saturday, mm -hmm. but when you get a Peacock subscription, you then get to watch every WWE pay-per-view. So that's wow. just the cherry on top. So you wow. can watch this game. Oh Two weeks later, you can watch the Royal Rumble. Uh, wow. On top of that, 
You could also watch the Premier League. Watch there some soccer. Get in, get into the Look, real game. Bundle. I saw Casey's face from across the room. He's had that joke in his brain for, I'm not kidding, 15 minutes. He's had that joke cooking up there for 15 minutes. I didn't even realize it was a problem because I just have Peacock. Me and my wife, we watch uh, we watch Chelsea a lot, and they're on Peacock quite a bit. So I didn't even Chelsea, think of... is that a sitcom? What, what is Chelsea? <laughs> Chelsea is the soccer team. Oh, it's that soccer Chelsea. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. But I will say this. I might, I might watch the UC game instead. There's a chance I watch the UC game. Uh, UC game might have priority. They play Baylor on Saturday night. There is no way you're watching the UC game before the playoffs. Well, I'll tell you this. I have to do Chatterbox Bearcats that night, so I might have to. Oh, well, okay. Now it's a different ball. So so now we'll see. But that's it. Speaking of UC, can can I transition to UC for a second? Yes, we can. You were there last night. Let's start with that. You were there last night. I was there. And I was going to tell this story on Box Lunch, but it appears that's broken, too. We might do something else. But anyway, um, we might try that 15-minute show today. We'll introduce that. Anyway, um... I get down there, Tom. I leave my house. It takes about 25 minutes for my house to get there. I leave at 6 o'clock, me and my dad. I, t- I bought tickets for myself and my father. We leave at 6. We get down there about 6.25. Everything's great. The city of Clifton was absolutely jumping. Casey, I don't know if you're able to do this, uh, but the picture I sent you on Twitter, I, I could be wrong. Tom, I'm not kidding you. The traffic leading into all the, all the garages, the, the big public one is Campus Green Garage. Uh, it's about a 10-minute walk from the, from the uh, arena. You couldn't get in. I did not park my car until 7.05, 7.15. We were in the line. We were in the garage forever. Oh, so you were late. So everybody was. So, and I don't know if that really showed on the it broadcast. It did. It did. It did. But right we, at the very beginning, there were a lot of empty seats. At the beginning, it was everybody. We were all rushing. We had people sprinting in there. And it was clearly uh, the biggest game this town has had for UC basketball in a long time. Wow. A long time. It was a sellout crowd. This was just one of the streets. So this is just one of the entrances coming into the stadium. And and I tell you, Tom, I they had no way to they had no they, nobody was expecting it, I guess, because it was insane. It took it took 30 minutes just to get into the garage. Uh, don't even I won't even tell you about how long it took to get out. We were at the very top. It was brutal. It was like oh, leaving yeah. that uh, garage right outside the Red Stadium. Yep. Um, but I'll tell you what, the atmosphere in that arena was the best I've been to at Fifth Third. It was absolutely beautiful. And again, I'm not, Casey asked me before I got in today, are you, are you pissed off? Are you disappointed? No. And I'm not, and I, I did the joke with Reed and Reed's going to do the joke with me about moral victories. But I really think this is the first time in a long time where I can, I, I can walk away from that game, a tough loss against a great opponent in Texas in a conference that's legitimately the best basketball conference in America. And I can sit back and I say, this team can compete. This team is good enough to compete with the big boys. We are here. We've made it. Wes Miller has done a very good job at reviving this team uh, or reviving this program after the, after the crumbs that John Brandon left. And, and, I, and I sit back and I, and I see that. The Bearcats, they played a great game offensively, didn't play a great game defensively, and the turnovers and free throws were brutal. But I look at that and I say, if you, if you clean up the silly shit, if you can if you can play fundamental fundamental basketball, you're going to win a lot of games. Mm-hmm. You have a chance to get to the tournament this year. And I was thinking about what would it, what would it, what would it take to get there? And I really think eight and ten can get it. Nine and yeah. not nine and nine. But if we go eight and ten, we steal one on Baylor on the road on Saturday. It all balances out. I think this team's good. I think this team's really really good. I tell you, there was high praise last night from a Texas coach about Wes Miller and the yeah, job there was. he's done. Very high praise uh, after the game last night. He said, "Look." 
He says that's one of the most physical teams we've seen in a long time. They're tough. They get after people. He said, but that is Big 12 basketball. That was his quote. Every game seemingly – these were – I'm paraphrasing. But he said that every game seemingly every possession. You know, the the, the difference between the Big East, for example, and and this is not in a disparaging way in any form or fashion, the Big East compared to the Big 12 – but, but, but you, and UC is the outlier on this thing because they are an urban city school. Most of the schools in the Big 12 are like these college towns, yep. rabid. That's right. Right? I mean, insane, right? Mm-hmm. Oklahoma, Kansas, even though it's close to Kansas City. TCU, yeah, they're in Fort Worth, but I mean, and, and, and they're coming to town next week. They're having a heck of a year. But Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Baylor, all these teams, basketball college basketball is the only game in town you start getting into some of the big east schools you know depaul even though they're not even really on the radar but they're in chicago you know you got xavier right in the heart of cincinnati you've got uh st john's and providence and they all get Villanova. lost in that whole connecticut and everything louis yeah they they all get they, they all get wrapped up in, in, in this big city stuff and, and again they have great fans in the big east and great basketball marquette Heart of downtown Milwaukee. Right. You know, Creighton's the, the only one that's really not in the town. That's right. That's right. Well, they're in Omaha. So. Yeah, but I mean, that's not a, it's not right. like the other ones. I, I, you're, you're spot on. But I think the, the environment is uh, in the Big 12 for every game is just unbelievable. The ACC used to be that way until they expanded. Not, not as much anymore because uh, you've gotten into some bigger, bigger cities, Miami, Boston, places like that. But, but I tell you what, um, I watched a game last night, and I mean, I watched it start to finish. I look at a guy like Locke, and this time a year ago, we're sitting there, and I was thinking of it the whole game. I mean, this guy now has played, if you'd have told me a year ago that Locke, there was debate about whether he's coming back and all this kind of stuff, that he would be a bona fide, rock-solid, if not really good, Big 12 player. I'd have said, I'm not so sure about that. Lockett is a solid, really good Big 12 player. I mean, is he a, a number one guy on a great team, even a number two guy? No. But he's scoring. He's averaging 17 through two conference games. Uh, he gets you seven, eight, ten rebounds. He, now, he did not rebound well last night. I think he only had four. You, Skillings. Lukosius is a player, man. That guy is a basketball player, which is crazy. Because I, if you, if you would have asked me before the season, and really in those early games, those warm up games that we played, I would have said that he might have been the worst player on the court. But the past several games, he has stepped up in a way that nobody on this roster has. With the three point shooting, this three point shooting has come out of nowhere, out of absolutely nowhere. He was making, uh, he had one of the best shots I've seen in my life last night. A fadeaway, step back, turnaround, jumper, shot clock down to zero. Late in the game. Late in the game. A minute left in this game to take a two-point lead or a three-point lead, I believe, against Texas, ranked Texas at home. It was was beautiful. And this is a guy who, by the way, I hate to keep bringing up this story, but you have to when you talk about him. He missed several games because he was run over by a car. Right. This is a guy who was run over by a car in the regular season, and he's doing this. He was asked post game yesterday, uh, you know, what does it take to step up, or how many guys can do what you're doing? And he and he and he said, "There's there's five guys. It's not just me." But I would argue he's been the guy that has stepped up the biggest. He was the one who took the final shot, 
and we can talk about it. I would have, if I was Wes Miller, he had two timeouts. I would have used one. There was six seconds left when he when he crossed midcourt. I would have called it for a better shot, for a better look. But he's the guy right now, at least. I want the ball in his hands when there's no time left. Now, right. you know, you look at the game last night, and another guy that I'm telling you, man, and, and we said it here on the program, if he ever got active and eligible, the guy who's going to be a player for them in the second half of the season is Jameel Reynolds. Absolutely. This guy is a monster. Yeah. He's big, he's tough, he can score, he can rebound. He's only playing about 15, 16, 17 minutes a game. Oh, yeah. Because he's just getting his sea legs under him. I mean, last night he had 11 points, had that monster dunk late. But the two guys where this cannot happen would happen last night. And this is a difference between winning and losing games in a league like the Big 12 or the Big East or the Big 10. You can't have uh, Bandego go scoreless in the game. That cannot, under any circumstances, happen. And you can't have Day-Day Thomas play 26 minutes and score two points. It's, it was, when it, you have yeah, two of your starters, yeah. what's that? Day-Day turned the ball over quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, right? I mean, when you have yeah. two of your guys that you're really counting on, really, really counting on, being rock-solid contributors in, in, in your rotation – you can't get what I think Bandego only played like 15, 17 minutes, something like that last night. I mean, you're talking about what between the two of them, you're talking like 30, 30, 35 minutes, 40 minutes almost between the two, and you get two points. And I'm and I'm wondering what happened last night with Aziz specifically. I'll talk about Day Day in a second. Aziz, I feel like Jamil came into that game with a fire that I haven't seen out yep. of him yet. It was he was he was. Yeah. And again, I got a DM from Colton, a fan of the show. He's like, "This is prime Yancey Gates. He had power down low. He yep. was great defensively. He was bringing the thunder. And this is and this is what we've missed for several seasons. Yep. For a long time for UC, we have not had that big guy. We have not had the the, the authoritarian down low that people are afraid to put a body against." And that's what he was last night. And I'm wondering if that had, a, had, a, had, had to do with Aziz not being able to play. Maybe Aziz couldn't find his feet. I don't know what it was. Um, but Aziz, yeah, I, having him be a complete no-show was not on my bingo card. Day-Day Thomas, I, again, I don't know why he's seeing 26 minutes. I don't understand it. There has to be something in practice where, where maybe he's, he's able to break the pressure more right against the press. Maybe he's not turning the ball over a ton in practice. There has to be some sort of discipline thing that he's doing better than Jizzle. Because when Jizzle comes on the comes on the court, it's a different ball game. Yeah. It's clearly it's, better. Clearly it's a, better yeah. when he's on the floor. It's a different ball game. And, and again, I, I mean no disrespect to Day-Day. Day-Day shut down Max Asmus yesterday. He shut him down defensively. So I will give him credit there. But he missed four layups. He missed four easy layups. When we're talking baby layups. And I think UC missed, I, similar to Xavier, Xavier missed 11 layups against, um, mm -hmm. I don't know who they played. Yeah, right, uh, just right. Villanova. Villanova. Yeah. Uh, UC, I think, missed like 13 last night. And, it's, and, that, and these are the things that you can just, they're so easy to fix. These are easy problems to fix. Free throw shooting. I think they dropped to 270th in the nation after last night. 270th. And, and I have a clip here. Casey brought the clip up from Wes Miller. I, I love Wes. I love what you've done with the program. But to say free throws aren't a reason that contributed to that loss is wrong. The turnovers are really disappointing. Uh, both games, you know, here in league play, we've just turned it over at an incredibly high rate. And that hadn't been the team we've been. But you look down and 
you know, you got multiple guys with with two, and then you got a couple guys that are starters with three and four, and we, we got to do a better job taking it away because they turn our they turn turnovers into easy baskets all night, and you know that's the kind that's the kind of stuff that uh, you, you you know you the reason is you lost the game. Um, what I don't want to hear about is free throw shooting. I, I, the thing that I'm it, I heard every time we lose. Uh, our players hurt every time we lose, but uh, nobody's going to beat himself up more than John Newman tonight, and that just that breaks my heart. It breaks my heart, uh, and it ain't fair because he shouldn't do it. Because two damn one missed free throw on a one and one does not define the game, and but he's going to do that to himself, and I just hate that. And we're going to have his damn back because it ain't it, that's that's not it. There's a thousand reasons why we had a chance. We had two chances to get stops to win a game, and we didn't get stops. That's why we lost the damn game, not because of free throws. I, you know, I mean, you know what he's doing there. And, I mean, look, that, that's why he is Wes Miller. That's what, one of the things you like about him. What he's doing there is he, he knows his kid, Newman, who battles his tail off, man. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's Newman okay. is a tough, hard-nosed guy, that's cares. Okay. I mean, he missed the, the front end of the one-and-one one with, you know, what, 25 sec, 20 seconds, whatever it was, yeah. right? Could have put him up by three if he makes both of them. So that's all he's doing there is he's just covering for a kid that he knows is is feeling awful in that locker room. But he's spot on. I mean, at the end of the day, he's spot on about the turnovers, like you talked about two games ago. Yep. Right? Turnovers and defensive stops when you really need them. I just still cannot understand. Watching that game last night, you could tell in the first half last night that DeSue was just feeling it. He's been hurt all year, right? He's getting his legs up underneath him again for the first time. He's only averaging, I think, like 11 points a game. Yeah. But this was a guy last year who was the MVP of the Big 12 tournament. He was the best player they had on the team marching through the first three rounds of the tournament, including just uh, killing Xavier last year. And Xavier had a good team. This was their best player, but he got hurt in that game. And so they didn't have him for the Elite Eight game. And the announcers even talked about it last night. If he was healthy, they probably get to the Final Four. Because remember, everybody in Xavier's region last year was getting upset. Yep, that's right. They, they played Miami in the Elite Eight. Right. Now, Miami had a really good team. Right. But, you know, the guy who was their best player at the time – did not play. So the point I'm making is I, I just can't understand what happened. Now, the Sioux did not hit the game-winning shot, but he hit enough to, to kill you. 30 Plays 34 minutes, has 33 points. Uh, he shot it, I think, what, 23, think 25 times? He took, he took damn near half their shots. Yeah. He had 20, 24 field goal attempts. Yeah, I, I, there was a point in that game where he had literally half their points. I, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's kind of what happened against BYU. We were, unfor we were able to stop Nell. I believe that's how you pronounce that guy's last name, who had nine three-pointers with 10 minutes left to go in the game. Um, he was their leading scorer by far at half their points, blah, 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 blah. They were able to shut him down. They were unable to shut Desue down. Uh, and that was obviously the key to the game. I, I, I look back, and again, I don't know if you saw this, Tom, the, the, the game-winning shot by Max Asmus, there was a clear travel. And, and I don't know how that's not reviewable in today's game. It was. It was traveling. He glid across the court like he was ice skating. So that's, again, I'm not you can't obviously sit and blame that one call. There was so much that could have gone right for UC, and it didn't. 
But I look at that game. I'm going to take a step back. I'm looking at it. You lost to a ranked team at home in the in your first Big 12 game at home with a sellout crowd. My dad and I were standing up half the game. We were in the last row of, this, of the arena. Well, the whole stadium was up. It was loud. It was awesome. This is what this is what was promised when we got into the Big 12. This kind of atmosphere, this kind of environment, and it and it's here. So UC fans, if you have to take solace, if you have to take a moral victory, which I'm not a fan of, but if you want to take a moral victory, it's that this team can compete at a high level. They are going to upset somebody. I guarantee you that. It, we can Fog Allen? We can beat Houston. We can beat Baylor on the road. We can beat somebody. We won't beat Kansas at Fog Allen. They don't <laughs> lose at Fog Allen. But I will say this is, a, this is a competitive roster. If they can figure out the day-day jizzle situation – we're going to be good. If Jamil Reynolds can get up to 25 minutes a game, this team, this team's going to, this team's going to get to a tournament. How, how dare you disarm my joke right at the beginning of this segment? Because you're like Reed's going to, Reed's going to make a joke about moral victories, and you're absolutely right. But I will, I, I will truly say this about UC going into this, and this is coming from the guy that doesn't like UC in the room. Coming into this, I think it would surprise nobody based on the way that UC played against Xavier, based on the way that they played against Dayton, which were their two biggest atmospheres going into, going into. Um, League play, I don't think anybody would have been surprised if UC in their first two games in the Big 12 crapped down their leg. Yep. Yep. And they absolutely did not. Yep. They go to BYU, beat a ranked team, come home against a ranked team and, and lose on a final second shot. I mean, it. you have to live up to the Big 12 standards as players, as coaches, as fans, and, and truly UC as an entire program has lived up to the Big 12 standards in their first two games. Now, that's not to say that something can go wrong that's here right. going forward, right? Yep, that's right. You, you, can't, you can't go, all right, well, it's done. We belong in the Big 12, and, and it's, all, it's all... Yeah, then uh, you're one and eight. Right, yep. yeah. It can, go, it can go bad in a hurry, but through the first two games, they have, they have defied expectations and have lived up to what the Big 12 is about. Yep, and, and again, if we don't make the tournament, fine. If UC is unable to make the NCAA tournament, that's fine. If I can play spoiler, if we can be the team that nobody else wants to play, I'll take that. C.J. Frederick should be coming back, I assume, relatively soon. Uh, I, I, he will, again, be a big, a big help when it comes to the three-point shooting. He will shooting. be a big help. So, so, again, get fully healthy, get right, and we'll, and we'll be okay. All right, now let me ask you this. Um we joke around. I joke around a lot about Xavier, but they have been without a, and nobody has more respect for that basketball program than I do. I've said it before. Uh, you know, look, up until the Travis Steele thing, and, and, and some of those were circumstances beyond his control, but look, he's a head coach and it is what it is, right? Right. But, but over the past three and a half decades, no one has gotten it right more than Xavier as far as a head coach is concerned. Going all the way back to the Bob Stack days and on to Pete Gillen and on to Skip Prosser and on to Thad Mata and on to Sean Miller and then bringing Miller back again, uh, Chris Mack. They, they've always gotten it right. And, I mean, every year they're in the NCAA tournament seemingly. Every year or every other year they're getting to the Sweet 16. Now, they haven't been to the Final Four. They haven't won the whole thing. Fine. We know that. But they, they are – an incredible model of consistency for outstanding and excellent basketball. By far the best in this city over the last 30 years. Now, they haven't had some of the teams UC has had. Sure. UC in the Final Four and Elite Eight and things like that. And, 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 and NBA, although they've had their fair share too. Uh, but, but in it, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm offbeat here. It wouldn't be the first time. 
Isn't there a different sort of vibe in the town, though, when UC's good? Certainly. I, think I mean, so. if, yeah. if UC, okay, I mean, if UC was 500 and Xavier was, was 12 and 3, whatever UC is now, 13 and 3, whatever they are, there would not be near the juice that you have right now with UC at 13 and 3 and Xavier at 7 and 7. I think you're right. Well, Tom, as I, I've always said, as a guy who doesn't like the Cincinnati Reds, as a guy who doesn't like UC Bearcats. How do you grow up in this town and not like the Reds or the Bearcats? Before you get into the, all that, and I want to hear what you have to say, but I'm just curious. When, that, when those words come out of your right. mouth, and I'm not being facetious. I'm not being a wise guy. I'm asking a serious question. You're a born and raised Hamilton, Ohio guy. Right. Right? Right. Okay. How are you not a Reds, not only and UC fan, how are you not a Reds or UC fan? Xavier's, Xavier's an easy, easy question. I grew up, went to Catholic school my entire life. My, my dad went to Catholic school his entire life. He roots for Xavier. I root for Notre Dame. So it's just the Catholic thing about rooting for Xavier, rooting for Notre Dame. That's what you do when you're, when you're a Catholic from this area for at least some of us. Okay. Not, not all of us. Okay. The Reds thing's a little more complicated. My entire family is Reds fans. I started loving baseball when I was about seven years old, and this is the worst fan origin story of all time. I literally, when I started playing baseball in Coach Pitch, I played for the team called the Cubs. Okay, so that's I wanted, fair. I've I heard that. Solidarity. I was like, I, I like the Cubs. Can we go to Cubs games, Dad? Dad, who's the Cubs' best player? Sammy Sosa. All right, Sammy Sosa is my favorite player, and he's still my favorite player to this day. So that's the Cubs thing. So that's beside the point. But as someone, as I mentioned, who doesn't like the Reds, doesn't like the UC, I. It's undoubtedly better for the town. Like, I enjoy when the Reds are good. Because when you go out in the summer and you go to some bar with your friends, everyone's watching the Reds game. When you see's good and you're, and you're traversing through these terrible three months in southwest Ohio, that is January, February, March, because it's, it's cold every day and the sun never shines, there's a little bit of a bright spot when you see's good. People enjoy when you see's good. And it's better for the city. So, as someone who doesn't like those two teams, I like it when they're good because it, it it's exciting. And and you're absolutely right. When you see's good, it's better for the town than when Xavier's good. Xavier just doesn't have as, as big of a fan base. Yeah, they just they just don't. Um, Which makes it worse that they absolutely own UC. Boy, <laughs> they Xavier, ever. Xavier has had <laughs> one losing season in 40 years. Yeah, it's amazing. One losing season in 40 years. It's impressive. And they very much might have a losing season this year. Well, we'll see. They're we'll 500 see. right now. We'll they played see. a very, very tough schedule. Very, very tough schedule. Already played the number one team in the country. Already played the number two team in the country. Got to play UConn twice. We got to play Creighton twice. Got to play Marquette twice. Like, all these teams. All right, but in fairness. It's in not fairness, the 12th schedule. No, but in fairness, they lost to Oakland. Correct. And That's they lost to, who was the other one? Oakland and Delaware. Mary Mack. Delaware. No, we almost no, lost the Mary. Fighting blue hands. So if they were nine and nine and five, yeah, nine and five, you'd have a little different feel. Correct. Very different Correct. feel. Yeah. But they're only four point underdogs tonight against the fourth team in the country. Which, which, you know what? I, I've always said for years and years, this is one of those games. I said the same thing when Houston came to town. Mm -hmm. I said the same thing when they went to Purdue. Now they didn't win either one of those games, but. You know, these are the kinds – a game like tonight is a game where Xavier traditionally, and one of the reasons why they've had one losing season in 40 years, is because they show up for this kind of game. Yeah, they do. Crowd will be into it. Right. And should be. It's the defending national champs. Hurley storming the sideline over there, all the players <laughs> you watch in the tournament. I mean, it's going to be going on tonight. I mean, it, it, I mean it, 
that's the one thing about Cincinnati that, yeah, we may not have a pro basketball team or an NHL team, but when both teams uh, are in the conferences that they're in now, it is going to become the norm if both, if Xavier just can continue to do what it's done and UC can get back to being what it used to be. This is going to be happening two, three times a week now yeah, where right. you've got Texas one night and you've got UConn the next night. You got one year Kansas coming to town on a Monday night. You've got Marquette coming to town on a Wednesday night. This is the kind of stuff that's going to be happening now with Cincinnati in the Big 12 and X already in the Big East. All right. A um, couple of other things we, uh, I want to get to today. Just came across a wire a few minutes ago. Uh, apparently, the Chicago Bears, and we're really shifting gears here, the Bears are going to stay with their head coach, really? Matt Eberfluss. They're going to stay with him for next year. That makes me think that they are staying with Justin Fields. Okay, well, well here's the thing. That, 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 I, I, that was my first reaction, okay? But, but he is a defensive coach, right. okay? So the, the, the two, two of the three biggest decisions the Bears are going to make this offseason are head coach, apparently he's coming back. Today, they just announced a few minutes ago, they are firing their offensive coordinator, Luke Getze. They're also... Uh, firing their quarterbacks coach, uh, Andrew uh, Janako, I think is how you pronounce his name, and their wide receivers coach, Tyke Tolbert. So of the top four guys, three guys, on the offensive side, coordinator, quarterbacks coach, right, wide receivers coach, offensive line coach, is certainly slotted somewhere in there. But you get the point. Three of the top four guys on the offensive side of the ball where they've struggled are gone. So those are two of the three, and we know what the third one is. Right. And that is, are they going to stay with Justin Fields, who's played three years at quarterback as a starter, or are they going to use their number one pick uh, and go get a new quarterback, whether that's Caleb Williams or whoever else is out there? Um, so that's an interesting note from the National Football League. Uh, so it looks like, with all the talk about the possibility, not even the talk about the possibility, uh, all the momentum and, and, and talk shows in Chicago. It's all about Jim Harbaugh, Casey. It's all about he's coming to the Bears. We got to go get him. Well, you know, Kevin Warren, former commissioner of the Big Ten, who left that job a year ago to become the president of the Bears. He's a guy that's running that operation there now. And apparently he has made the decision along with others and ownership there, the McCaskies and so forth, that uh, they're going to stay with their head coach. You surprised by that? Um, I am a little, I'm a little surprised that they are staying with Eberflus. Um, I do think that it was a, uh, a decision where it's like, well, if you're not going to fire these guys, the, the, the offensive side of the ball, then it's probably your job. That's probably what the conversation ended up being. So he ends up getting rid of OC, quarterbacks coach, receivers coach. And the very first thing when you mentioned that, what popped in my mind was where in the world is Greg Roman at in the NFL right now? He's not in the NFL. He's actually coaching high school football and college football. He decided to take a year off of the NFL to kind of, for health reasons and other things like that. I would be calling him up right now to be my OC. I mean, he took Lamar Jackson and made him an MVP-type caliber quarterback. He completely made an offense that was geared around 
his skill sets. And that's something that I think that they could really use right now with Justin Fields. Yep. I feel like they've got a good enough team right now on offense to really get that offense going. They might be a, a piece or two away on the offensive line, but I think that they've got enough firepower to get that shirt up. They got enough money to, to, to go sign some guys. I think all at this point, if the bears make the right coaching decisions, the right hires there and make a scheme that, very similar to Lamar, I think they're going to tear up the NFC. I really do. This year, the the coaching for the Bears has not been very good. Not been very good at all. I mean, some of the stuff that they're having Justin Fields do is just – it's just not who he is. And so that's the first thing that came to my mind when, when you mentioned the firings that took place. The other thing that comes to mind is um, – they must have a lot of confidence in Eberflus as a as a defensive guy at yep. least, which is crazy because their defense has not been good in his entire tenure. Well, it right. got better I mean, though. It, took, it, it took, got better though the last end. five, six, seven weeks. Yes. They were take... one of the best defenses in the NFL the last month and a half, and they only gave up seventeen that last game of the year to uh, to Green Bay when they got beat. Yeah, I mean it was that trade that we kind of made fun of him for that second round pick for Montez Sweat. I mean, it ended up playing out exactly how they wanted it to. I know we mentioned it uh, maybe right. off air, but he led the Bears in sacks and he led the Commanders in sacks. Right. So maybe with that newfound defensive line pressure coming, they think that maybe that they can get that turned around too. But that's another question I had is, is that defense going to be the same or is it going to get better next year as Matt Eberflus retains control another year? I, I don't know because he's – Without oh, without knowing, you know, what, what the holes that they have, what that defense is going to look like, because they're going to lose Jalen Johnson, their corner. Um, he's a bit of a shutdown corner. Um, and again, they have a lot of money to spend. They have a lot of money to spend because they're the third youngest team in the NFL. When they played yeah. Green Bay the other night, for Green Bay to get in the playoffs, Green Bay is the youngest team. Right. Bears are the third youngest team, which generally speaking means you have a lot of guys who haven't hit the lottery money-wise yet. So you can probably go out and spend some cash yeah, to get better. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I don't think in, in that division, I mean, yeah, Green Bay's okay. They're a 500 team. They are what they are. Love's going to get better. The Lions have had Love a great year. What's that? Love was fantastic. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, but they're okay as a team. They're just okay, uh, obviously. I mean, your record says what you are. And they were, what, 9-8? and eight? Okay, 9-8. and eight. Um, And then uh, – you know, Minnesota's in complete disarray. Uh, no idea what they're going to do at quarterback. And then Detroit, you know, they had a great year this year. But let's see next year when they got to play a first-place schedule. Let's see what happens next year. Because it's a dramatically different ball game playing that first-place schedule than the third or fourth-place schedule. I think they played the second-place schedule this past yes. year. Because, yes, Because the, the Packers eh, – Packers might have played a second-place schedule. Here's the thing about the Bears, and, and we've talked a lot about what they're going to do because it's – there's so many things that they can do. And I always said that I preferred them to do a hard reset, right? Get a new coach, get a new quarterback, reset the whole thing, right? You got one of the, the, the best – prospects that have come in the NFL draft in the past decade, right? He, he's right up there with Andrew Luck. He's right up there with Trevor Lawrence. He's right up there with Joe Burrow. But if you're going to stay with Matt Eberflus, that, that pretty much spells out that they're going to stay with Justin Fields. Yeah. That, I, that, I mean, that, that's, that I mean, spells that out. Coaching. And that was already the rumor. 
was that the, the Bears were leaning towards staying with Justin Fields and trading away the number one pick. Now, the question is, is what can you get for that number one pick? You're going to get a lot. You're going to get a King's Ransom. You're probably going to get more for that number one pick than you would if you traded Justin Fields. So it, it's all these things. I If they if they keep Eberflus and draft Caleb Williams, that was the worst case scenario that the Chicago Bears could have done. Because I think, and I, I've said this, I know DeMarco Ryan and uh, C.J. Stroud proved this wrong, but if you've got a young quarterback, the, 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 the blueprints been laid out in the NFL. You get an offensive-minded coach for a young quarterback. It works. It's continued to work. It works more than the defensive guy. Ryan and C.J. Stroud are the outliers. Everywhere else, look at all the young guys that have succeeded. It's because they have an offensive-minded coach on their side. So if you're going to keep Matt Eberflus and then draft Caleb Williams, you're just putting him in a terrible decision. So I think that they, they, they've laid their bed. They're going to keep Justin Fields. Now the problem is, is now that everyone knows that, now that everyone knows that, you lose a little bit of the negotiating power trying to trade away that first overall pick because they know you're not going to keep it. So, I don't know. The Bears The Bears are such a weird franchise. They they continuously do things wrong. They're still stuck in 1985 yep. for some weird reason. Yep. They still want to be this hard-nosed team even though that's not the way to succeed. And It hasn't, it, it hasn't been successful for them. So, I don't know. The Bears are such a weird team. All right, last thing before we get out of here today. We're taping the show, and we're back live tomorrow, we hope is. I just want to get you guys, before we wrap it up, your thoughts on uh, Mike Vrabel. It's a Johnny-come-lately, I mean, what have you done for me lately kind of league, right? I mean, four straight years, goes to the playoffs, uh, wins two divisional championships, gets to an AFC championship game. He's the coach of the year. Now the last two seasons, they had Tannehill hurt. Uh, regardless of what you think about him, they draft Levis. They bring in a new GM just a year ago, Yep. Uh, which certainly had uh, some kind of factor in all this. There was talk about the owner was asked. She was asked yesterday. You know, they were contemplating trading Mike Vrabel. That's interesting. Don't right. know if they, they wouldn't get into specifics about whether they had a partner for that kind of thing. And a lot of speculation out there about would Vrabel go back to New England? And, okay, this thing snowballs on and on and on and on and on, where Vrabel was a great pro player. Um, but um, I, I, I'm just shocked. You know, I, I'm, I'm shocked that it got to this point because I feel like I'm trying to find the exact quote, but there was division between the GM and Mike Frabel. So it, I know that it's a firing, but it was probably a mutual ways of, of parting and, and there's going to be teams that I think go after Mike Frable. I really do. I think the Patriots are probably a really good candidate for him to go back to. Um, I mean, he, he he's a very successful coach. I mean, he got his team to a number one seed um, without, in my opinion, the the true franchise quarterback. Right. I know you like Ryan no, no, Tannehill, no, but he's but, not a franchise. Yeah, but, I, we're, we're in agreement on there. But but he he did he was very successful. Um, the thing that killed the Titans was trading away A.J. Brown. And when, right. when we initially saw that trade, we thought it was a pretty pretty decent trade. They got um, a first-round receiver out of it and never panned out. And they were just never the same after that. That offense um, took a nosedive after that. Um, and that's really where things, I think, started splintering for the GM and Mike Vrabel. I, I have to imagine Mike Vrabel probably didn't want the GM to trade away A.J. Brown. They ended up making that decision. They didn't retain their uh, edge rusher that ended up 
um, going to the Eagles and having one of the better seasons yep. of his career. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, the, the, those decisions, I think, really led to the downfall of the Titans. And they probably disagreed on a lot of decisions that the GM made. And uh, unfortunately, I think uh, that's probably why Mike Vrabel was fired. I think it's organizational malpractice. Yeah, this. I think it's Casey's right. There was there was there have been reports of division uh, between Vrabel and the front office, and Amy Amy Adams Strunk, I believe, is her name, the owner of the Tennessee Titans, but who has been putting this GM on a media tour ever since uh, the firing the firing broke out yesterday. I think it's organizational malpractice to have a guy do what he did for you. And if there is division, that's fine. You say we part ways uh, amicably, right? Yeah, we, we, uh, there's a mutual parting of ways. But to go out and fire a guy that everybody in the league would want. Right. Everybody. I'm not talking a couple. Reed made the, uh, the, uh, the 28 analogy. 28 out of 32 teams would probably want Mike Ray. 28 out of 32 teams. And by the way, there's no better fit than what's probably going to happen when Bill Belichick, when Bill Belichick mutually parts ways with the Patriots. And that's how you do. You, you show people respect. Showing respect is one of the most important things in the world. And clearly the Titans did not show respect by firing a guy who Tom said won coach of the year two years ago. He's led him to two title division titles in se only several years of being the head coach. I think it's organizational malpractice. Any any foot in the right direction that that franchise showed this year with Will, with Will Levis and maybe a little bit of hope, gone. Gone, gone in the wind. Good luck to the Tennessee Titans. You made a massive mistake. Here, here's the thing: is is this offseason have the most coaching talent? Like, in, it, there's there's five coaches on average hired every year, fi fired and hired every single year, and we're talking about Jim Harbaugh potentially being an info, one of the best coaches in, in the country, Bill Belichick, perhaps the greatest coach in the sports history. And then Mike Vrabel, who, as we just mentioned, 28 out of 32 teams would love to have. This is perhaps the most coaching talent yeah. out in the air that we've ever seen. And I think Mike Vrabel is going to actually have to pay, take a back seat to whatever Jim Harbaugh is going to do. Because if you're, if you're wanting a head coach right now, you've got to see what happens with Jim Harbaugh mm -hmm. first. You can't jump the trigger before, before you figure out where Harbaugh is going to mm -hmm. go. Which that, that decision probably is going to be at least a week Maybe longer. Like, we're, we're at least, like, at the very minimum, we're going to hear about it next week. I think he might wait till after the postseason because he wants his brother to, to, get some, to get some limelight because the Ravens are the best team in, the, in the, the league. So I think that a lot of these hirings, at least for Mike Vrabel, he's going to take a back seat until Jim Harbaugh decides where he wants to go. All right. Uh, anybody, anything else to add? I just wanted to, to point out really quickly some of the stats for him. He's 54 and 45, two division titles, three playoff appearances, two playoff wins. Uh, over the last two seasons, he's 13 and 21. Yeah. Back-to-back -back losing years. Yeah, but I, in my opinion, every time I've seen him play, it's been a, mainly against the Bengals, he's always come to play against the Bengals. He's always come to play against these teams and, and with minimal talent. He's always got his guys ready. No doubt. No doubt. And, of course, then you get into the whole thing about some of the whack jobs up in Columbus talking about him replacing Ryan Day, and that ain't happening either. Um, Tom, the final thing we'll say before we wrap this up, Brian Callahan expected to to interview for the Titans job. Just yes. saw that come across yes. the wire. That's now three teams that Brian Callahan is interviewing for the head coaching job. So 
it's I wouldn't say it's likely that the, the Bengals will have a new offensive coordinator, though it seems to be trending in that direction. Although you ask yourself the question, and we'll get into this tomorrow. If you're an off- if you're a guy that's going to be offered an offensive coordinator's job, would you take the job if you're not calling plays? Eric Bieniemy did not call plays. He was part of the process calling plays, right? right? But I mean, I mean, are you going to go somewhere? And all of a sudden, if the offense is good, the play caller, in this case, Zach Taylor, gets all the credit. And if the offense is bad, you get dragged down the toilet, even though all you're doing is prepping the team for the game. If Callahan gets a job and he deserves one, he's going to be a good coach. Um, I just wonder, you know, do you, you promote from within, go from there, guys make more money, they take the job, you're a coordinator, blah, 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 blah. Okay, we'll get into all this tomorrow. Our cherry on top. And we don't, you want to roll the music? <laughs> I'll roll it. Why not? Okay. Because this one is one that is tied to the world of sports and tied to the world of politics, which are two of my favorite things oh, in yeah. the world. But this one is beyond belief. Did you see this story from this morning? Oh, no. California State Controller is calling upon the California State Legislature to adopt legislation that would force Shohei Otani to pay California taxes on his deferred $700 million deal. So let me put this in perspective for a second. For the next 10 years, I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible because I needed it as simple as possible. Now try to put this in any other occupation in the world, okay? Let's say that your son or daughter just signs a $700 million contract, but has decided to defer $680 million of it and take a $2 million a year salary for the next 10 years. Okay? So that means that Shohei would pay taxes at the highest rate in the country, 15%. That doesn't include the federal government. This is the California state government in addition to it. Okay, so he's in the 38% tax bracket and he's tacking on 14% more because he's making two mil. So they're going to charge him as they should for the 20 million over the course of 10 years at 14% a year. But they want to rewrite the the, the legislation in the state of California. Now think about the repercussions from this. Shohei, at the end of 10 years, could decide, I'm moving back to Japan. He could decide, I'm moving to Dallas, Texas. He could decide, I'm moving to Florida, where there is no state income tax. They are proposing legislation in the state of California that would charge him for living in Florida or living in Texas or living in Japan or living in Idaho. They would make him pay the 14% tax rate in the state of California, even if he doesn't live there. That's preposterous. How is that even possible? Now, you wonder why people are running for the hills in the state of California. Look no further than stuff like this. If your son or daughter, we have the right to pick up and move wherever we want. Make whatever kind of money we can. 
We make choices each and every single day. If Shohei Otani wants to defer $680 million, that's his call. If the Dodgers, his employer, want to pay it, that's their call. They agreed upon it. So now a third party, the state of California, is going to step in. And let's say it's your son or daughter. They signed this kind of deal. They're like, you know what, mom, dad, um, after these 10 years, you know, I want to move back to Cincinnati. I want to raise a family out on the west side. I want to raise a family up in Hamilton. I want to raise a family out in Anderson Township. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to collect $680 million. And I'm going to pay my taxes in the state of Ohio. Because we do have a state income tax that's not 14 or 15%. But all of a sudden, out of left field, comes this tax bill from a place that your kid doesn't even live in. What's 14% of... So we said he's making $70 million a year. Right. Okay. What is, what is 14%? About $9 million, $10 million a year? Somewhere, somewhere in $9 million range. So 14% of $700 million is $98 million. So, so you would owe the state of California, while you're not living there, over the 10 years after you're no longer living there or playing here, you would owe them $100 million. I bet his GM, or I bet, I bet his agent's not too happy now. Well, they haven't enacted it yet. Not but yet. that is the proposal from the California State Controller. So we leave on such a pleasant note today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, sorry what happened. Uh, we're back at it tomorrow. Vach Lombardi's going to join us. By the way, we're also going to have Mike DeFabo from the Steelers, from the Athletic, who covers the Steelers. There we go. He's yep. going to join us tomorrow as well. Just got confirmation of that. Marty Brenneman joins us on Friday. So a lot going on. Casey, thank you. This is not your fault. I want everybody to know that. Thank you. You did thank all you, you could. Tom. Okay. Gentlemen. Thank you. All right. Have fun tonight, Dana Gardens. Thank you. I'll see you there. I'll get you a ticket, Tom. <laughs> to Dana Gardens? To, you got to buy a ticket to get time. in there before well, the game? I mean, it's, it's big time. Well, I mean, there'll be a line outside the game to get in Dana Gardens, and it's cold. That's right. It is cold. That's yeah, right. so it's going to be chilly getting in Dana Gardens. Elliot's coming. Casey's coming. We'll just have a You're little. going tonight? Uh, I'm, I might be getting dragged there. That's You're going sure. tonight? Unconfirmed, but I might. Okay. All right. Well, have fun tonight, boys. Thank Tom's you. unconfirmed too. But well, my wife out. and daughter are going out to play pickleball with a couple friends, so that means dad gets a night with, with the boys. our dog at with home. The boys. At home. No, 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 no. We're going to be dialed in to Better Call Saul tonight for about a solid three-episode run tonight. There we go. Yeah. Mm. All right. That's a big show. All right, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.